Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Get into it! He's the one that will help you bet. Then for the game, you'll be all set. Even though he may help you choose, remember you still may lose. What's up, losers? And welcome to Losing Money with Andrew Bascom. My name is Andrew Bascom. This is your 20-ish minute sports gambling podcast where we discuss UFC 270. Uh, we've done a few of these now. We've done a few pay-per-view breakdowns. And this is going to be one of the most interesting ones because we always have the gambler to break it down with us. Gambler, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's the it's the first uh, big fight card, no pun intended, yeah. of uh, 2022. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's always exciting to uh, to kick off the new year with a with a big boy title fight. Oh, absolutely! Hashtag big boy slapping meat. That's that. This is this is the real key to this whole card is some big men slapping meat. But before we get to that, like, okay, so let's just be clear about this one. So we've talked about this in the past where there's been some nerd MMA cards where like you and I have talked about it, like, hey, I know Conor McGregor's not fighting, but you need to watch this card because there are some good ones in the seventh, the ninth fight, the whatever. Okay, uh, those are good for those ones. This one is not one of those. This is one that is dominated by top two really good title fights, but the rest of the card, not so good. Yeah, I mean, I've made the joke before that cards like these remind me of the early Zufa days where it was like Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell and then people yeah. off the street. <laughs> it's, there is a certain element that is incredibly true about this card. Like there are people on the main event, on the pay-per-view that you are spending now $75, they just moved up the price. Whatever you're spending on that and you're going, wait, who is this? I got go- to Google this guy. Wait, who is this guy? There's so many of that in this card. Yeah, I mean, you know, anytime you wiki, uh, wiki a fight card, it's, it's not uncommon that people on the undercard, sometimes the prelims, you know, they may not have wiki mm. pages. But when you got fighters who are in the main card and who are on like the third fight and they don't have a wiki page, you know, yeah. uh, I don't want to sound uh, superficial, but my goodness, like, you know, you and I have been watching MMA for a while mm-hmm. and, and I'm truthfully, yeah. you know, hand up. Some of these guys, I'm scratching my head. I'm like, who? <laughs> like, what? It's so true. It's so true. So we're, that's a long way of saying that we are not going to bother you with some of these undercard fights where I'm like, ah, do I like Jordan? Uh, I, 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 no, we are going to get to the two title fights, which is why you're buying the card in the first place and where we are going to make our picks, where we are going to put our money and how we're going to lose money on these two title fights. And the first fight will be the flyweight championship. Will be Moreno versus Figueroa. This is the third fight of this trilogy. This is super exciting. Both fights have been incredible. Uh, Gambler, let's break this down. How are you feeling about this fight? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's the rubber match. It's even more exciting that it's not mm-hmm. often you get a, a a rubber championship match. Yeah, right. And and honestly, I I think this is to me kind of a, a classic case of if it weren't for Moreno, I think uh, Figueroa would reign the flyweight division. Um, yeah. But I right. think Moreno is just that, that perfect combination or that, that perfect equation um, for, for Figueredo. Um, and, and I think mm-hmm. it comes down to a, a couple of key items. First of all, Figueredo is like freakishly large for 125. Like uh, it's, yes. it's insane that he's able to make the cut. He's one of the leanest fighters I've ever seen. Sometimes. Well, yeah, good point. Yeah. You know, not yeah. not not usually, yeah. but lately, yes, he's yeah. he's made the cut. 
Um, yes, but he's just he's he's outrageously lean. I, I this is not a guy who's going to have longevity at this division. Now talking about fight style, right? Both guys prefer mm-hmm. to stand, and Figueredo is is known for his power, and he's known for being a counterpuncher. Uh, and he's and right. he's definitely got a lot of power at that at that weight class. The problem mm-hmm. is Moreno's made out of granite and is yes. basically yes. unstoppable and just presses forward in each shot. Doesn't matter how hard those shots are. Doesn't seem to phase him. And he's faster. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. two things that Figueroa relies on, Moreno either negates or does better. So yeah, that's yeah. that goes back to my earlier point. I just think Moreno is a guy that the way he's built and the way he fights is kryptonite to Figueredo. An important part to bring up is that Davis and Figueredo ruled this division for, for a while and would have been the most dominant champion in this division for a long time until Moreno came around. The first fight was a draw. The second fight, the second fight excuse me, Moreno won uh, by decision, even though Figueredo came on late in that fight, especially in that fifth round. He looked really good you know, to, to win it. So I think it's really interesting to think that Figueredo you know, uh, you know, would have been this champion that we would have talked about for a long time, except, you know, I, I don't know what the way to best way of saying this, but he'd been covering up a lot of the, the deficiencies that he's had for a long time. He was not a perfect fighter. He's not one of these Silvas or St. Pierre's that ruled the division for a long time because he was so clean the whole time. I just don't think he had found an opponent like Moreno to match his, his deficiencies. I completely agree. I think that his style is he, he's a big guy at the weight class. He goes in, he, yeah. he either outmuscles people or, or he knocks people out. And Moreno's a guy where you can punch him in the face, doesn't care. And, and like I said, he, yeah. he, he negates uh, uh, Figueroa's yeah. uh, counter striking with his speed. And Moreno's also a great wrestler. So, you know, Figueroa, who, yes. who is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt and who does have good a good ground game. I think Moreno, once again, negates that because Moreno's a very, very high-level wrestler. So I think the grappling Absolutely. is somewhat of a wash as well. So honestly, I think to me what this comes down to is, um, you know, I, I think figured Figueredo is going to come out and try to end this fight earlier or, or early. I don't know that he can, uh, as we've said, uh, but I think that weight cut and, and Moreno's style, I think it's a style that, that really weighs on you. It just, you know, it wears and it wears and it wears. So I like the Moreno yeah. money line. It's the odds aren't great. It's minus one seventy no. is what I'm seeing right now. Um, yeah. But yeah. I will say I'm also looking, and I will sprinkle uh, Moreno decision, which is plus two sixty. Mm. See, okay, see that's I'm glad we're getting into this because there's a lot of similarities between this and what we're going to talk about with Naganu. You know, there's a lot of Figueroa and Naganu comparisons here. Early on, he's got to come out. He's got to look strong. He's got to put some punishment on him. Otherwise, you start to have doubts of whether what, what he can do later on in the fight. You're right about Moreno being just a better wrestler than him. You know, Figueroa's defensive wrestling is a weakness. He's taken him down. Moreno's taken him down six of 10 times across both fights. He only defends takedowns historically at a 58%, which is bad, which is not good, especially for a guy. And there's a part of that where you're saying he's so good at BJJ, maybe he's suckering it a little bit. Like he, he's so good at the... Uh, the guillotine, which is like his move to go to, you know, like maybe he's wanting people to try and take him down, thinking that they're safe and they, you know, clutching him a little bit. Here's the thing. I want to take Moreno. I very much want to take Moreno. But at minus 175, you start looking at it and going, hmm, maybe these guys are equal. And so you start looking at the plus numbers a little bit. And so the plus numbers, you know, I, tr- I hate playing this game, Gambler. I really hate playing this game. But there are ways that you can do this with MMA fights where you can win on both sides. 
right? And so you could take a Moreno at minus 175 and kind of go, oh, okay, whatever, minus 170, excuse me, and kind of look at it and go, oh, whatever. But if you take, you know, <laughs> Figueredo by KO, TKO, or DQ, or submission, it's plus 300. And you're like, hmm. Now, if I give a heavy bet and a sprinkle on one, then maybe I could equal myself out because Figueredo, if he's going to win, it'll be by a finish. If Moreno wins, it could be by a finish, but it'll most likely be by decision. So I'm right there with you. I just don't, I don't know where to lay this one right now. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you made some good points. And, and like I said, I, I just, I'm going based on the fact that I, I, I'm relying more on Reno's durability and, and, and mm-hmm. his, I guess for lack of a better word, consistently or consistency, then like you said, yeah, yeah Figueredo can win. It's just, to me, those are very narrow, uh, narrow chances. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I think the money line bet is not a great one. Uh, I really like the, the buy decision more. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, the whole, you can even it out on both sides with the crazy odds on some of the figure figured arrow finishes. I, I think that's very valid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. So like, I, you know, I try to create a little suspense, but I, I'm right there with you. I'm going Moreno and I'm going by decision as well at the plus 220 I'm seeing right now. If you wanted to take the total rounds over for the fight, over four and a half rounds is minus 110 for both fighters, which I really like considering the first two kind of went that way. I like that, that this would go the same way again. There's some symmetry to that that I really enjoy. I like the fight going the distance, plus 110 right now. So those are my picks for that one. Those are your picks for that one. It's, it's going to be a really, really entertaining fight. No, this, one, this one's going to be a banger. I, I think this one definitely, yeah. you know, for a lot of the mainstream fans, they're probably like, you know, what's 125 and who are these two guys? But I think for the, the true yeah. fan, this is, this is definitely one of the more exciting fights, if not maybe the most exciting fight from just a, technical aspect on the card. Uh, totally. Why they, why they didn't fill the card with other fights. Um, yeah, okay. So those are our ones. That's the one that I have like really looking forward to, but this is the one that everyone is looking forward to. It's for Francis Naganu for the heavyweight championship at plus 125 right now. Whoa. As the champion versus Cyril Gaon at minus 150 as the interim champion, whatever the hell that means. Uh, I've never agreed with how they did that. They... Francis Naganu, this is one of the most stylistically interesting fights we've seen in a long time. Not only because Naganu and Gon used to be training partners, not because Naganu's former coach is sitting in Gon's corner for this fight, and not only because that outside of the octagon, Naganu is in a contract battle with the UFC because of that interim title fight in many other ways. Like, for God's sakes, in that, uh, just, just, to, just to bring it off the top here, Naganu fought in May, and they wanted him to fight in August. And he was like, no, how about October? And they're like, no! We are giving an interim title fight. And you're like, are you out of your mind? This is one of the few times where I'm like, oh, Nagano was right on this one, even though I don't always agree with him on everything. This is the one where I'm like, I don't really understand this. And has now pushed him to think about boxing or think about other promotions entirely. So with all that going on, when is the last time, Gambler, that you can ever remember a champion, reigning champion, going into a fight as the underdog? No, there's a lot of really interesting things, you know, both in, in the in the betting trends and in the storylines of this fight that don't make sense. And like you said yeah. in your intro, I mean, you know, there's there's storylines between this this I don't know if it's alleged or, or, or you know legitimate yeah. or fake bad blood between the two where they used to train in France together, and then you know there, there's now there's this flip flopping of coaches, and you know you've mm-hmm. got Naganu coming out fight week and and, and claiming very strongly that, oh, I, I KO'd this guy in training and we said we yeah. never talk about yeah. it, but now he's talking about other stuff and, you know, it's, it's, everything's coming out of the woodwork. So at minimum, it's making it entertaining for us fans. Um, 
Yes. But no, that yes. you know, it's we gotta we gotta like you said, we gotta talk about the whole interim title thing because nobody nobody considers uh gone uh, or Gagne, Gagne as I like to call him. Um oh, okay, uh, nice. an interim champion. I, I mean that was the no. biggest sham to me. That is Dana White UFC leverage one oh one where if you yes. go back and you, you look at all the interim champions they've had over the years and you take out the ones where, you know, the, the champion had some sort of horrible injury that took, you know, over a year right. or two years, you, you take those out of the equation and, and you they look jumped at, weight class. Exactly. Yeah. There has never been one where in the course of, I think it's like whatever you said, like six months or less where they come up with an interim title. I mean, all the interim titles are like, you're talking 10, 12, 14, 16 months where they Mm -hmm. say, okay, we gotta, we gotta do something. Um, You know, a a good example is, you know, St. Pierre blows his knee out. So they, they have a interim title fight with Condit and, uh, and Nick Diaz. And then Condit becomes the interim champion. St. Pierre was out for like a year and a half, two years, like stuff like that. So they had to. Yeah. Yeah. This is one where, again, it's, it's completely fabricated. It's, it's, not deserved at all. And I, I think it's it was done entirely to, to get leverage over Nganu because he was uh you know he was weary to resign and, and now they've mm-hmm. all they've done is they've pushed him even further away. So it's th- that whole thing is very fascinating. And I actually I have to applaud Naganu for basically yep. you know saying he's gonna put all of his chips in and he's going all in on himself. And, you know, if he wins this fight, he's, he's going to have the UFC, you know, in his sights. Cause if they don't resign him, which there's all this weird talk about championship clauses and all that stuff, but you know, yes, I, I yes, just, I, yes. I applaud what he's done where he's basically putting his money where his mouth is and he's betting on himself. So I, I got to give him credit there. Well, I, I completely agree with you. And I, it, like we've done, we've done well on this podcast, betting on the heavyweight division, you know, mostly because of Derek Lewis and his incredible hair, Hill Mary style of fighting. But I have to say, this is one of my least favorite divisions to bet on. The heavy du- heavyweight division would be towards the bottom of this list. And it's incredibly difficult to handicap because most heavyweight fights, because there's such a high level of variance that simply does not exist in other divisions. One punch can change the dynamic of the whole fight. And, and that power does not exist at heavyweight like, as compared to other, other divisions. And like, think about it. Like in the top 15, which they, you know, they categorize on the website, you have Derek Lewis at number three. You have Rosenstroke. You have Aspinall. You have Tuavasa. You have all these fighters that are literally known for just going like, well, I'm just going to punch as hard as I can. And that's the way it is. So part of you goes, well, this is really tough to gamble on. And I think it's a really good example of this fight. You have, you have Francis Ngannou, who has the power of God, the hand, the, like the hand that touch God that could just end any fight at any one time. And you have Cyril Gon, who we've maybe never seen a fighter like this since, and I hate to say it, maybe Brock Lesnar, because you're seeing an athlete that's cutting down to 265 that's just, that's just shredded and, is, and is, is athletic and his cardio is so good and he's well-rounded. And I just think it's such an interesting stylistic matchup between these two guys. Yeah, that last point that you made, it's not easy, it's not easy to make uh, uh, Nganu look small. And, and even, at no. the, at, even at the face-offs uh, this week, you know, I don't want to say look small, but you know, Nagano usually towers over people or just is this, right. this this specimen, and uh, Gon is right there, just eye to eye, and he's thick. So, no, it's mm-hmm. it, he poses a lot of challenges. I uh, I, I just you know I, I think that if you go look at their records, um, you know, uh, Nagano has has never really faced this extremely technical fighter. Right. In, or I should not even fighter striker 
in in gone mm-hmm. right i mean gone is yep. Yep. is kind of a a you know i almost want to equate him to like a chess player where he baits you he lays traps he, he's very calm in the octagon he has almost like mm-hmm. you would consider like a slow pace but you know he he's he's very calculated and if you go and look at Naganu, yep. all the guys that he's beaten with the exception of Kane Velasquez recently are like you said and, and Stipe to too in a sense but even Stipe got got you know caught throwing punches in the pocket and and <laughs> ended up losing his belt that way um <laughs> yeah but you know yeah. you look at Rosenstruck, JDS, Curtis Blades, uh Derek Lewis although Nagano dropped that fight before that Alistair Overeem, Andre Ovlowski. these are all your yeah. classic heavyweight bangers like you said and and you will never beat Naganu throwing punches in the pocket. Never. Because he just needs to touch you once. And he doesn't even have to touch you that hard. Yeah. He can clip you. No. And and your your night is over. So stylistically, very interesting because you know, Naganu is not used to fighting ultra technical strikers. He's had his challenges with wrestlers yeah. in the past. He seems to, you know, he showed that he he kind of somewhat overcame those in his rematch with Steve Bay. But I'm really curious to know when he's fighting, you know, I think uh, Gan has a Muay Thai background. How does, how does you know, uh, Naganu hold up? You know, is Gan going to just lay on the outside, take shots from the outside, try to frustrate him, take him to the deep right. water? We know in the very, very few times Naganu has gone late, which, I mean, we talked about this, I think, in the yes. Naganu fight. He has, like, less than, you know, with the exception of the Stipe fight where he finally made it to the second round. The four fights yes. before that, he had like less than three minutes of fight time combined because well, he's I've got a stat there. for you. There you go. During his current five fight winning streak, only twice has the fight lasted longer than 45 seconds. There you go. There you yeah, go. Like, come on. You get out of here. Like, th- this is the part that like makes it so hard. We used to talk about your blood- butt clenching fights where you just got to go like, well, I put 50 bucks on this. Here we go. Like, and you're just like, oh, and you're just every swing, you're, like you're the person almost like you're in your Oculus, like dodging with you. Uh, this is the one. If you take Gon, or, you know, by the way, I do see the accent above the E, so maybe it is Gagne and everyone's just been ignoring that. But if you take Gon, is that you're just, you're just hoping to get through these first two rounds. You know, when Stipe got knocked out in the second round, and the first round wasn't good for him either, so let's not, like, kid ourselves like it was, like, a up-and-down round. Uh, that, was in the smaller, that was in the smaller cage, and this is in the bigger cage. Uh, that was in the apex, this is the bigger one. And I really do think these kind of these kind of feet matter for someone as athletic as gone. But like I think the biggest example that I keep going back to, good or bad, depending on what side I'm taking here, is this Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis has fought both of these guys. Now, Cyril Gone negated him completely. Like it, you know, everyone likes to make fun of Derek Lewis. <laughs> and I don't really get why. I think it's maybe just, you know, his general demeanor and how what he says and stuff like that. But he has the most knockouts <laughs> ever. And I think it's important to take credit where credit is due. Cyril Gaon negated him completely. He moved away from his heavy fist. He chopped at his legs. He was le- he, just like you're saying. He's baiting him. He's throwing traps. And then he would counterpunch. And he looked so good. And also, Francis Ngannou fought Derek Lewis. And it was maybe one of the worst fights in UFC history. And, and that's because both guys just didn't want to take a chance. And maybe they feared each other's power. That might be part of it. But it was also that they just were incredibly lazy about that once they got out of the second round. And that is, if you were going to fight and you were going to pick Gon for this fight, that is the fight you'd be looking at for these two. Yeah, that's the common data point. I think that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's an excellent point. Um, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was torn for, for some of the reasons that you said about the style and, and about, you know, that common data point of, of how poorly Nagano looked against Derek Lewis. 
Um, but looking at this from a different angle, uh, from like betting okay. and, and, and a statistics uh, or, or trends perspective. So sure. you, you mentioned, you know, that, that Naganu is the, uh, the underdog, which, which is crazy, right? Yeah. It's, first of all, it's Naganu, you know, he touches you with his pinky or out cold and he's the champion, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, it yeah, didn't yeah. open that way. Okay. That's important to know no. for the betters. The line opened with Naganu as a very slight favorite. I think uh, the stat that I saw was that he opened at like a plus or sorry, a minus 110. And right yes. now, depending on, you know, if you want to look, we'll just say legitimate sports books, Nagano's as high as 130. You can get him as high as 130 yes. right now, plus 130. Yep. So one thing I found very interesting about that is the so so the the the, the line has swung to Gagne as as the favorite. Mm-hmm. Yep. But only 36% of the bets to date are on Gagne. Okay. Oh, 36% of the bets, but wow, but 65% of the money is on Gagne. Wow. So the people that are betting Gagne are betting the house. So my question is, what do they know? Or what does Vegas know in this case that we don't know? And so this is. This is a classic like Sharps Wales group that we're talking about, betting groups that we always talk about in football. We talk, talk about things that rush in and move lines because when you and I bet 50, they bet 10,000, you know, and they move lines a large way over this. Oh, that's very interesting. And, and you know, we, we, to your point about betting standards or, or, or betting norms, we always talk about yep. in sports, not so much in MMA, but I think it applies to MMA, certainly in football. When the line doesn't make sense, or in football, and when the spread doesn't make sense, you do the opposite, right? Vegas, the whole Vegas yep, makes yep. the pick for you. So, by that logic, you could argue, well, how could Gagne, who is now, by the way, sitting at minus one fifty, okay? Oh my God, yeah. How could he be such a favorite, right? So mm-hmm. you would mm-hmm. think to yourself, well, you know, I'm getting good odds on Naganu. I got to take Naganu as a as, as an underdog, right? Well, no. The, yep. the logic would be it makes no sense. Gagne minus 150 makes no sense. Vegas is begging you to take Naganu. So by that rule, you say, well, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to take Gagne. And I think that if you want to apply the, 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 the quote unquote, you know, Vegas rule or the broken line rule here, you wouldn't be wrong. Unfortunately... Yeah. I, I don't know that I can do that. And, may, and maybe I'm going to, you know, classic, you know, use my words against me, like, like we did for that, that infamous now Connor card that we, we both referred to. <laughs> but I yeah, just... The Connor rule. I, the Connor rule, yeah. I just can't yep. in good conscience bet against a guy who not only is the champ, is coming off of maybe his most impressive fight, okay, against yeah, Stipe, yeah, or, yeah. you know, he showed that he could wrestle, he showed that he could, you know, make it past the first round. He showed that he could stay composed. And at the end of the day, after all that we've said, I just don't like the idea of putting money down against a guy who has to stand in front of Naganu. Okay. If if Gagne yeah. was some yeah. uber technical wrestler that could also kind of throw, but like literally would take the fight to the ground, and you knew he was going to grapple, you knew the moment he could yes. close that gap, the fight was going to the ground. Different story. But the fact that yep. Gagne is going to, I'm assuming, stand in front of Naganu for the better part of, or for the majority of a fight, I, I will never take that guy because Naganu just has to touch you once. I, I'm just yep. going to throw out the numbers. I, I, I got the Naganu money line plus 125. Um, I got the Naganu 
KOTKO plus 170. And you have to, you have to, you have to, if you're going to Ganu, you have to go either finish in round one or sprinkle round one plus 425 and sprinkle Naganu round two plus 650. We we say this often. If you're going to take a guy like Naganu, (laughs) you're basically saying the fight's going to end in the first or the second round. Because if you think mm-hmm. the fight is going to go to the third or fourth or, or longer, well, then you got to go gone. Yeah. Oh, God. Gambling this drives me crazy because that's exactly what I'm thinking. Oh, that, that drives no. me crazy. Oh, I was so sure you were going to tell me it's gone and you got It's gone, baby, gone. You got to do You got to you got to butt gone. You're an idiot. Until you see him not do it, you have to bet on him. Francis Gunn was a champion for a reason. He's been going through fire on this one and he's pissed off against UFC. Now, I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, until I saw these odds, that you go, I want to bet against Francis Ngannou because every time that someone starts betting towards the future and planning towards the future, after this fight, this is what I'm going to do. You always bet against him because, you know, you know, karma has a way of just kicking you in the ass that way. But then I saw the odds and I'm like, oh, wait, I get to take plus money at Francis Ngannou? Get the hell out of here. I'm right there with you. Plus one to 25 for the win. Plus 170 for the KOTKL. Plus round one, plus 425, round two, plus 650. I love these bets. And so I will say, I will say, here's the thing. If you like Naganu, bet him now. Bet him now the second you can hear the gambler's and I voice because this number will creep closer to him being a favorite by fight time because if you like Gon, you, you don't like the number at minus 150 and the general public is going to go, wait a second, the champion is my blah, 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 blah. You need to bet him now while he's the underdog because when we start switching this around and going, Francis is minus 150, you're like, Hmm, the same way I'm doing with Gone right now. I'm like, I would never take Gone at minus 150, but if he was plus 150, you're like, hmm, that's very interesting. And so way, the way I would split this bet a little bit is I really like this number of Gone submission plus 1,000. Because oh, I imagine yeah, 1,000, and this is like, this is sprinkle money. You know, you and I talk about this like pizza money, sprinkle money, whatever. It's a small bet you want to throw in there. Plus 1,000, if they get to the ground at all, Nagano's going to be lost. He's going to be like a, a beached whale. And he's going to try and like, oh my God. And all of a sudden he's tapped out. And we don't get the decision at all. So plus 1,000 to cover your bets a little bit. But I can't believe I'm right there with you. Francis Zagano, plus 125. I, like I said, I, I just, a guy like Francis Zagano does not come around very often. You know, yes, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a, the heavyweight division is, is always, you know, guys throwing a lot of power. Fights, you know, typically don't last very long. There's a reason the heavyweight champ is, is the shortest lived champion of all the different UFC champions, you know, until Sipe right. came along and was able to wrap off, I think, four or five title defenses and set the record. I mean, I think the previous yeah. record is at like two or three, you know, heavyweight yeah, champions yeah, yeah, yeah. don't stick around because again, it's, it's, you don't need a lot. It's very easy for the fighters to knock each other out. But Nagano takes that up by like a factor of 10, right? It's just freakish mm-hmm. power like we've never seen before. And until there's a striker out there, which, oh, by the way, there hasn't been one yet that can stand with him, I'm not going to bet against yeah. the guy. If it was a high-level wrestler, I would reconsider. But that's not what Ganyi is. Ganyi is a high-level striker. So, I'm, I, yeah, I just I don't see it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Wow, I can't believe we ended up on the same place. I was so sure we're going to have to negotiate this one a little bit. But there you go. Gambler, it is going to be a, it's going to be a very exciting first two rounds for this fight for us and a very exciting card for in general. But Gambler, thank you so much. We hope you have fun losing money on this card and we can't wait to talk to you soon. Bite your lip, clinch up, and, and let's hope for the best. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all. Thank you so much for listening to Losing Money with Andrew Bascom. Both episodes this week, the NFL Divisional Round that came out on Friday and today's UFC 270 preview picks. Thanks to the gambler. Thanks to Pants Roddy Prince. Thanks to Charlie Chalk all for coming on and making picks. 
Once again, please go to at LosingMoneyWAB, where you can find free daily picks, recaps, like we make today, like the picks we made today. If we talk too fast for you guys or we're throwing out too many numbers, go to at LosingMoneyWAB on Twitter, on Instagram, to see the picks that we are making for UFC 270 all over again. Who doesn't want to see some big men slapping meat? That's what we're going to see on UFC 270 on Saturday. But most importantly, we hope you have fun losing money. We'll see you later, losers. He's the one that will help you bet. Then for the game, you'll be all set. Even though he may help you choose, remember you still may lose. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!